Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to church this morning. We are so excited you are here with us. If, if this is your first time, uh, we are so glad that you've chosen to join us. Um, I know it can be a scary thing coming to church on your own, or maybe you've said yes to an invitation from a friend. So we are so glad you're here. Um, we, want to, we want you to know that we've designed this entire experience with you in mind. So we really hope you have a great time and that you feel at home here. Um, Church is a little bit different this morning. We're doing uh, communion, which uh, is something we don't usually do on a Sunday morning here. We tend to do it in groups. Um, So that's new. Very exciting. Um, But before we do that, we're going to sing, which is something we do every week. Um, And I'm really excited about this song because it's kind of an oldie that we haven't done in a while. Um, Amazing Grace. Um, And I don't know for you, for for me, this is kind of a song that reminds me of childhood. Maybe you sung it uh, when you were at school or something. Um, And it makes me feel great. Um, But for some of you, maybe Amazing Grace is something that's a bit difficult to sing as you're walking in this morning. Um, I don't know how life's gone for you this week, but the idea of um, kind of grace might rub up against you the wrong way. I know my fiance's family aren't Christians and they really struggle with this idea that um, you do something wrong, you don't get punished for it. And um, I get that. It's an uncomfortable concept, but um, I think it's great for us to remember this morning as we sing this song that... Um, there's a bunch of stuff that we do to hurt friends and family and undermine our relationships. And, um, and uh, we believe that we have a God who, who shows us grace, who wants us to um, still be able to redeem relationships with friends and family and with him. And uh, we think that that's something to celebrate this morning. So if you want to stand, we're going to sing together um, and I'll just pray for us real quick. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace. And however we've come in this week feeling to church, um, I pray that you can help us to, for, this to, for this to land, for us to be open to this idea of grace. We might not feel like we deserve it or that we're worthy. We may, might feel like we've done some stuff this week or we've thought some stuff, that we've taken one step too far away from you. But Father God, I thank you that you invite us to come exactly as you are. You don't ask us to clean ourselves up before we come to you, but you say, come to me exactly as you are. All the brokenness, all the hurt, all the questions. And I'll take it. I'll love you and we can work that stuff out. And this church is the same. And I thank you for the people in here who don't throw a judging finger, but throw out an arm and say, hey, come and walk with me and we'll figure it out together. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for this opportunity we have together to celebrate it. Amen.
heaven without us. Father God, that, that line blows my mind. That there was a place that was exactly the way you wanted things to be. There wasn't pain, there wasn't suffering, there wasn't all the stuff that we cause and we bring about down here. And you said, you know what, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to step into this world and I'm going to come alongside these people because I love them. Because I made them and I know them and I love them and I want to provide a way for them to come back to me. To be connected with me and connected with each other again. And Father God, we didn't deserve that. We know that. We know the stuff that we've brought in here this morning. We know the distance we've caused between us and you and between us and the people around us. And there's nothing we could do to fix that. So Father God, I'm so grateful that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be right with you. We can be right with each other again. It doesn't mean that the stuff we've done doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that our story doesn't matter, but it does mean that you've paid for it all. You don't see that stuff when you see us. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please take your seats. So this is the part of our service where the offering baskets are going to come round. Um, and this is just a way that people who call FBC home love to give into the life of the church. But um, if you're new or visiting, please let the baskets pass you by. We're not after your money at all. Uh, don't feel awkward about that uh, at all. Um, so we're going to be taking a survey in a little bit. You might have seen a survey on your seat or on a seat next to you when you came in. Um, we really want to make this experience and what we do here at FBC the best we can for you and for the guests that you bring along your friends and family. Um, and part of that is hearing from you kind of what works, what doesn't work, how we can make that better. So this is really important for us. This is a big deal, which is why we've given it um, a Sunday morning. There aren't enough uh, uh, surveys for everyone. We kind of wanted to be careful with the amount we're printing and all that sort of stuff. So you can go to FBC next forward slash um, survey. And it'll be on there. So if you are of the generation who loves to use a smartphone instead of old-fashioned paper, um, that would be really helpful for us. Um, once you've done that, if you could uh, head to the back of the room, there's a little basket near the tea and coffee area. Just throw in your uh, survey, grab a handful of chocolates, and come and sit down again. And that would be really, really helpful for us in trying to make this experience awesome for you guys and for the people that you bring along here to FBC. Um, next week, we also have a, uh, a brand new series kicking off, one that I'm really, really excited about. Because I don't know about you, but um, I heard a lot of uh, Bible stories when I was growing up in school. And um, I grew up in church. You might not have done, but you might have, might have heard some of these Bible stories. Um, and sometimes those Bible stories that we're told as kids kind of don't uh, help us in life when we get to being an adult. Because they're children's stories. We've been told them as children. And then we get into adulthood and suddenly um, real, the real world takes over. And I think maybe that's because um, we don't know the story of the Bible. We've kind of left it, these Bible stories, as, as children's things. So this next series um, is one that I'm really, really excited about and would be a great one to invite a friend along to if you know someone that you might think uh, would find this helpful. So take a look at the screen.
says that's the book for me I stand alone on the word of God The B-I-B-L-E The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me I stand alone on the word Hey, Bob, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. Just cleaning up a little. Yeah. The team have showed me some of the content for that already, and it is super, super helpful. So if you can think of people that you think would benefit from that, it'd be great to bring them along. Um, so I'm going to let you guys finish filling out your forms. Don't forget to take them to the back and grab a chocolate, uh, and then we're going to hear from Chris speak. Thank you.
wonder uh, what you think of when, is this even going to work today? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, there we go. I <laughs> wonder what you think of when you hear that word sacrifice. What comes to your mind uh, when that word pops on the screen or, or, or somebody mentions it? Often today in our culture, in our context, sacrifice means going without something. You know, we'll sacrifice food if we want to um, lose uh, weight. We might sacrifice um, money if we want to save. We might, we'll sacrifice our time if we want to give our time or we want to volunteer um, somewhere. So sacrifice today means something very different to what sacrifice meant if we went back a couple of thousand years and I asked a gathered crowd of people, what does sacrifice mean to you? Because in the ancient world, sacrifice was synonymous with worship. It was a part of a thing that, that, that people did. Uh, and in a pagan culture, a culture that, that worshipped and celebrated a plethora of gods, gods for everything, sacrifice was a big part of, of their worship. And the purpose of sacrifice in that culture, in that context, was to try and appease the gods. It was to try and convince the gods to do your bidding. So you you would worship gods uh, and you would sacrifice those gods in order to try and get those gods to do what it is that you would want them to do. And there was gods for absolutely every aspect of life in different sacrificial systems and cultures, depending on who the god was and what you wanted. So if you wanted it to rain and your crops to grow, you would sacrifice and you would worship um, to the gods in that pagan culture. Um, if you wanted to be victorious in battle, that was a big thing because you know, if one army defeated another army, it's basically saying, my God, our God, or our gods are stronger than your gods. And the army that would defeat the other army would sort of defeat their gods. It was this sort of divine battle, I suppose, as people saw that. So they would worship and sacrifice to the gods before battle so that they would be victorious in battle. If you wanted your women to become fertile and pregnant and give birth to sons, not daughters to sons, because that was the way it was in the ancient worlds, you would worship these gods and you would sacrifice those gods to try and convince them or appease them or, or manipulate them to do your bidding. If you wanted your team to win at the weekly weekend chariot races, you would worship and sacrifice, maybe not, I might have added that one in. The point is that whatever you wanted, if you wanted it to go well with you, you would go to the relevant God and you would worship that God and you would sacrifice to that God so that it would go well with you, so that the gods would do what you wanted to do. But it, right in the mix of this pagan culture, we see a, a different culture, the Jewish culture, the, the forerunner to the Christian faith, the people of God, the nation of Israel. Um, Judaism and, and Jewish worship was very different from this pagan world worship that was happening around at the time. And Jewish worship wasn't synonymous with the word sacrifice. Jewish worship was all about obedience. See, God was more important. The, the God that the Jews worshipped, the one God, not a plethora of gods. See, Judaism talks about there isn't all these multiple gods, gods for everything. There's one God, one true God. Yahweh is his name. And God, Yahweh, isn't interested in sacrifice. He's interested in obedience. He's not interested in us manipulating him to do what we want him to do. He's interested in his followers worshipping him and being obedient to him so that they will do the things that he um, created them to do. And sacrifice still was a part of Jewish worship and, and they had a whole sacrificial system and we're going to look at that um, in just 
just a moment. But the point behind it wasn't about trying to convince or manipulate God to do something that you'd want him to do. It's about this relationship and this obedience. And we're going to go on a journey right back um, to, the sort of, I suppose, where this all begins, just, just to look at the importance of sacrifice and worship in that culture and the relevance that that has to us today. And it all begins at a time when the nation of Israel aren't even a nation at this point. They are captives. They are slaves in Egypt. And you might know of the story of Moses, and if you've seen the film, The Prince of Egypt, it's a great way just to get, get an overview um, of that story that we can read about in Exodus. is the second book we come to um, in the Old Testament in our Bibles. And Israel, or this, they're not even Israel, this, this nation of Jewish people, they're called the Hebrews, are slaves, they're captives um, in Egypt. And Pharaoh is the king, he's in charge, and he's using the, the Hebrew slaves as slave labor to build his new economy, to build his new, um, his new nation, to, to work behind the scenes and the infrastructure of making Egypt this great and feared um, place. And you might know the story, Moses, remember Moses, big guy, stick, beard, talks to God and God says to him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses isn't too keen on this, but God convinces him. So Moses marches up to Pharaoh and there's, you know, I'm skipping over loads of stuff. And he says, let God's people go. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not letting them go. I need them. You know, they're my slaves and I need them to be able to do the things that I want to do. I want, they need to be there working uh, for me. So God releases a series of plagues upon Egypt uh, in a way to, to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, to, to release the Hebrew slaves. And each plague gets more and more severe. And it comes to the final plague, and it is severe. It's a horrific thing uh, that um, happens into this nation of, of Egypt. And God says, I am going to kill the firstborn son of every, in every household and every animal um, throughout the nation of Egypt. And this is the plague that God um, sets upon um, Egypt. And he says to Moses and he says to the people of Israel, but there's a way out. Um, there's a way that you can escape this. Because what I want you to do is to go into the fields and find a goat or a lamb or, or another animal. And I want you to sacrifice that goat. And then I want you to gather tonight at home around your table. And I want you to eat uh, from the, this animal that you've sacrificed. And uh, if there's only a few of you, grab your neighbours and, and close friends and relatives and go out, grab a goat, sacrifice it, come home and eat that meal together this evening. But what I want you to do something else as well, I want you to take the blood from that goat, the blood from that lamb, that blood from that animal, and I want you to paint it on the doorposts of your house because the angel of death is going to pass through Egypt tonight. That sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Uh, the angel of death. And when the angel of death comes across your household and he sees the blood of the lamb painted on your doorposts, he will pass over that house and no harm will come to the people uh, in there. And that's what happened. So the people went out and you know, dads maybe were taking their sons and they went into the field and they found a lamb or a goat or, or an animal and they sacrificed it and they brought it home. And that evening they gathered around a table and they ate together and they painted the blood on the doorsteps, on the doorposts. And the angel of the Lord, uh, the angel of death came in throughout Egypt and passed over every house that was painted by the blood of the lamb but didn't pass over the houses that didn't have the blood of the lamb painted on their doorposts and took the firstborn son of every household and every animal as well and morning breaks and there is weeping and wailing in Egypt like it's never been seen before 
and Pharaoh relents and he lets um, the Hebrews go and they go off into the wilderness and a bit later he changes his mind and he pursues them and you might know the story of the parting of the Red Sea and God miraculously rescues Egypt, um, Israel again and they part through the Red Sea um, into the promised land and go on this journey where they become um, a nation again and, and God um, establishes them and blesses them. And God says to them, this thing that I've done for you, this thing, Passover, that, that's happened, I want you to remember that. Every year, I want you to gather around a table with your family and your friends, and I want you to eat this meal in remembrance of what has happened. I want you to eat this meal to remember how the blood of the Lamb has set you free, how, God, how I came in and brought you out of captivity. And this was a tradition that carried on throughout um, Jewish culture and Jewish tradition. It's a tradition that still happens today um, in, in Jewish cultures, in Jewish homes, that once a year on uh, the festival of Passover, they gather around tables to remember and to celebrate what God has done in their history and in their heritage. You know, so much about Jewish culture and Jewish worship um, is full of, you know, gathering together on mass and you've got a priest and the priest dresses up in all the right clothes and there's lots of ceremony and lots of ritual and all that sort of stuff. Passover is not like that at all. Passover isn't a thing where the whole nation comes um, together and the priest uh, does that for them. Passover is a thing that happens intimately in small environments around a table where people gather with family, where people gather with close friends still today and remember and celebrate what God has done. And as we fast forward through the history um, of Israel, we see that they get established as a nation uh, and you know, God is with them and God gives them a whole bunch of rules and regulations to live by. If, God, if this pure, awesome, holy God is going to be in the presence of these impure, imperfect people, then there's some things that they're going to have to do. And then there's a, this whole sacrificial system that comes to play that actually is designed to make amends for wrongdoing. And sacrifice is part of the Jewish um, system, again, isn't, isn't like in the pagan cultures where you're trying to convince God to do something you want him to do. It's not about manipulating God. Sacrifice in the Jewish system is all about this word, atonement. And sometimes we get scared of that word and we might not understand fully what it means. Actually, it's quite easy to understand what atonement means because it's, it's three words uh, in one. It's at one month. And the whole sacrificial system and the whole atonement process is all about making it possible for people to be at one with God. See, what we see throughout the history of Israel and through the laws and the stuff that's given to Moses and given to the people of Israel is that there's a consequence uh, for doing the things that we know we shouldn't do. You know, God gave them a standard to live by. And when we don't live to that standard or when they didn't live to that standard, there was separation. You know, if God is perfect and pure and we are not, that impurity, that imperfection, that sin, which is the word we use, separates us um, from God. And the Jewish sacrificial system was all about making atonement, making it possible for the people of Israel to be made at one again uh, with God. And they had this whole range of things that they, that they did. So if you committed this sort of sin, then you would have to go and get this sort of animal or these grains or whatever and offer that or sacrifice it to God. Um, and there was, there was basically like a menu. That's the way I picture it. It's like a pay-as-you-go scheme, isn't it? So if you're rude to your neighbour, maybe you get a pigeon and you sacrifice a pigeon and there you go.